We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The MPW Digital Podcast Network proudly presents McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Join longtime SEC beat writer Neil McCrady and former South Alabama assistant, Alabama staffer, and Ole Miss recruiting coordinator Tyler Siski for an hour of football and fun. Listen and enjoy as they talk ball, the national landscape, and much, much more. Now, here's your host in the Clark Ford Studios, Neil McCrady. Welcome into another edition of McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. I'm Neil McCrady. That is Tyler Siski here on this Thursday, uh, July the 13th. Thanks to all of you for being uh, with us. We appreciate it. Numbers are awesome. Appreciate you being here and uh, making us a part of your week. Um, yeah. How are you, Tyler? Well, I just dropped down. This is my first can of Red Dragon in a minute. I didn't even notice you had Red Dragon. I went and got a Red Dragon myself. I, I need I need the caffeine jolt. I don't know who I apologize for. Should I apologize to the people who are about to listen to this show or the kids who are going to have to deal with me this afternoon? They better not be, They better come ready to play today. I would think you need to apologize to the kids first, first and or foremost. Or parents. Should I apologize to the parents? Bring your earmuffs to the game tonight. Who do y'all play? Y'all play a national team? Uh, no, I, no. We're playing uh, – no, I think we're going to be – we'll be semi-competitive this weekend. So, um, but we play tonight, one tomorrow, two on Saturday, and I think one on Sunday. So, what they do – hey, this is the thing. You know how we talk about how you're messing kids' arms up in, in Little League and all that stuff? Yeah. So, when you get to this age, this is where you really mess kids' arms up. You know the, you know what the pitching rules are? No. There are no pitching rules. Oh, no. <laughs> No, but what happens is, all kidding aside, is if you reach a certain amount of pitches, you have to sit them out for a day or two or whatever. Well, instead of having the tournaments when it was all Saturday and Sunday, you know, so you have like a normal life, they spread them out over like five days so you can go back and throw pitchers again after you threw them early in the week. So that's what it's designed for. But anyway, um, gotcha. hey, before we get cranked up here, how about my guy Greg Sankey getting, uh, getting extended, huh? Yeah. It always gets the same. Uh, whenever anything with Sankey happens, it gets the same levels of reaction. Uh, the, the smart people are like, good for the SEC. He's really good. Continuity's great. He's he's solid. And then you have the people that he, they think the he's, he's out to get Your particular their school. school. Yes. So who is he out to get out of curiosity? These days, it's everybody except Alabama and Georgia. The teams that are winning in football. Yes. Is that yes. how it works? That's, that's correct. Okay. 
Um, I've known Greg Sankey for a long time. Uh, he was the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference uh, when I was at Northwestern State. And he actually was the compliance guy at Northwestern State, left to go work in the conference office of the Southland Conference and became commissioner, I think, in like 96. Uh, and then left the Southland to come as a compliance role in uh, the SEC. But, look, all of my dealings, I will say this. I've dealt with Greg Sankey on, I guess, three different – I guess two schools, three different occasions. Extremely fair. Brutally honest. Very good leader. Um, I don't know how you couldn't – like, if you have an objective opinion of what's going on and understand the business of it – I'm very – I mean, I think he's the greatest commissioner in college sports. Yeah, I think he's terrific. I've said this many, many times. I'll be very quick with it. Yeah. I firmly believe that I owe him probably my employment. I think he helped people like me avert a financial disaster. And um, I will be forever grateful. Yeah, I, It I is mean, that can- simple. I, I, I give him – I know he pushes back against this. It's modesty on his part. I respect that. And it wasn't just him by the end. And I get what he's saying. But had Greg Sankey in early August of 2020, look, you can hate him, love him, whatever. But if Greg Sankey in early August of 2020, Tyler, had not taken the tactful approach that he took in the face of incredible pressure and said, hey, hey, you know, we might not be able to do this. We might not. Might not be able to get to the finish line and have a season. It might be hard. It might end up being too hard. But we owe it to ourselves, and we owe it to our fans, and we owe it to the student-athletes to try. That's that's what he said. That's it. We owe it to the student-athletes to try. Now, that was on the in the wake of the Big Ten saying, no, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. And the Pac-12, no way. Just, are you kidding? And Dennis Dodd writing about how many players would die. And it's easy to laugh at it now. But then, in well, that moment. It wasn't a laughing matter. You know, a part of Greg Sankey had to think to himself, I don't, I know, and I know this for a fact. He didn't think they were right, but you had to at least contemplate, okay, well, what if they are? What if I am putting people at risk? And it turns out, obviously, that we could have played, could have filled up the stadiums, everything would have been fine. But He's just a good decision maker. You know what I'm saying? Like That's how you're supposed to make decisions. He's calm. a logical, calm, yep. doesn't and let emotions get involved in his decision. And so what he did in early August when we were in the middle of a wave, right? I guess that was the... I don't know what wave that was. Maybe it was the first wave. I don't know. Middle of a wave. And the numbers were high and CNN was breathless. (laughs) Oh, my God. CNN was all. all, What he did was took a step back and said, hey, let's hit the pause button. Let's hit the pause button. Um, We're not going to start on time. We're going to do a compressed schedule. We're going to play nothing but SEC games. We'll figure it out. We'll redo a schedule. I know everybody's going to lose their minds. We're going to redo the schedule on the fly. We're going to limit attendance. We're going to do all the stuff. We're going to have lots of testing. It ain't going to be perfect. But hang tight. Sure enough, he did it. And when he said, I'm going to do that, he gave the ACC and the Big 12 
a little room, a little yep. runway to go, okay, well, if they're going to do it, we'll do it too. Because if Greg Sankey had said, hey, the SEC can't play, guys, there would not have been a college football season. There also would not have been a college basketball season. There also would not have been a college baseball season. There wouldn't have been any seasons. A lot of people would have lost jobs. A lot of people would have lost incomes. It would have been a disaster. No, I know, 100%. And, and by him doing that, immediately the Sun Belt came in and went, okay, cool, we'll play. <laughs> and and the Big 12 went, all right, we'll give it a shot. And the ACC, which was leaning the other way, said, we'll give it a shot too. And you know the rest. Ultimately, the Big 10 went, oh, I guess we need to play. And then the Pac-12 was like, we'll play. And they played five games or whatever. Greg Sankey, for that and that, if if for nothing else, and I think there's plenty more, but if for nothing else, he deserves tons of accolades. Something that doesn't, and I will move on, but something that doesn't get talked about that whole time enough, let's say the roles were reversed, okay, and the conservative states were out west and the liberal states were down south, like the whole planet was flipped upside down. The... um Nobody was playing unless the SEC was playing. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about that. Absolutely. No one, the Pac-12 could have said they're going to play. Nobody else is going to go, oh, since the Pac-12 is playing, we're playing. No. The SEC had to be the guy out front. Yes. And that's a lot of pressure. And, yes, and there was and, a lot of pressure on him to to do the right thing and cancel. All the columnists were calling for yeah. him to cancel. Probably call for him to be fired. And then, you know, reckless when he did it. People are going to die. No one died. And anyway. Anyway. Credit to Congratulations to him. Um, he's on top of that. He's pretty, pretty interesting uh, person. The other thing very, that's very, happening. Very good guy. The other thing that's happening, I, since you cracked on the open the red dragon, I won't bring this up. I saw on the board uh, earlier today and it reminded me. Um, I guess since I'm getting older, my conspiracy theory and my just bullshit meter is just running rampant. Like, <laughs> how in – just am I asking a question here? How in the most secure building in the planet Earth did we not have a camera angle and we can just close the case with – no, <laughs> close the case with – we don't know how cocaine got, got put in a building, in the most secure uh, building in the world. The only thing I can think of is that the person who did it was wearing camouflage, sort of like a hunter. What about and, well, the predator? You know, the invisible invisible yeah. stuff? I think it was more of a hunter. So <laughs> so the library where this took place sits between the Situation Room and the Vice President's office. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. There's, I, there's I kind of a couple of cameras in that area. Yeah, I've, I've actually been uh, privileged enough at one point to get to see the Situation Room. I know, ex- oh, I know exactly okay. where it is. And there is no way that someone left a bag of cocaine there without cameras catching. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right, uh, moving on. Let's talk football. I had a request from um, a listener of ours who is a coach in FBS school, an assistant head coach um, at a FBS school that listens to our program. Okay. Um, and he said, for him, would you please ask, because we have a lot of coaches that listen, please ask and remind all coaches at all levels, now's kind of your downtime a little bit. Make sure you're getting your health checked out. Uh, he did that, went and got a physical, and it saved his life um, and has saved many others. But coaches are very stubborn people by nature, if you can't tell, yep. by listening to our program. But, uh, like, I, I don't want to – I would – I'm not go-to-the-doctor guy. Um, but a lot of coaches think they're invincible, um, and you're not. 
and we're all getting older, make sure you get your health checked out while you can because you will not you will not go to the doctor once once season starts. No, absolutely. You, you, look, guys, we all we're all weird about different things and guys are tough guys and all that stuff. You need to go get your annual physical when it comes time to have your prostate exam, you need to do it. When it comes time to have your colonoscopy, you need to do it. All those things, man. You need to do those because those things save lives. It does. Can I ask a question? <laughs> Since I'm on that, I'm, I'm in one of those moods today. Sure. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. All right. By my, by my math, okay, 50, what's that, 53 years, 54 years ago. Okay. As human beings, we put three human beings in a tin can. Yeah. And shot them to the moon. Right. They landed. Then they c- came back and landed safely and were able to talk about it. Yeah. 53 years ago. Yeah. But 53 years later, the best way that you can tell me if I have prostate cancer is for you sticking a finger up my ass. I actually think they <laughs> I actually think they have other ways now. <laughs> I mean, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, but I think let's go. I actually think they've kind of gotten past that. You're telling me that's the be- best way? I think they can do a blood test now, right? Well, that's a precursor. But like these, these, uh, you know the was it Cologuard on stuff that you do and you send in that stuff's not as not as accurate. But I'm just saying, like, don't tell me that's the best thing you can do to help. I mean, we put 53 years ago, put three human beings on the moon and brought them back, and we and you're telling me that's the best all the technology we have. This is a I can do just about anything on this thing. Yeah, but you're telling me, come on, I we got to could stick it. I, I figure there's a there's somebody <laughs> making money somewhere. I don't know. All right. All right. On Monday, I can't remember where. It was after the show. It was after the show. Pat Fitzgerald was fired at uh, Northwestern. There's been a lot of talk about it. Uh, you can imagine uh, my field, for the most part, has done its thing. Um, you have more information about this. Um, I'll, I'll set you up. I'll be careful. Okay, I'll be please. careful with it. Um, You've seen a, a text message from the parent of a current Northwestern player. Yes. It's as far as I'll go. Yep. That uh, brings up with anecdotes concerns about the primary whistleblower, the first whistleblower. There have been other people who've said different things, but this decision appears to have been built around maybe not exclusively i don't know every all the details and i'm always super careful to not go scorched earth on an, an administrator because i don't know what all they know or believe or what or whatnot i do know that they they had a a independent investigator do a fairly comprehensive investigation and she came back with some findings in those findings she provided no proof and said as much that Pat Fitzgerald knew. I've said on that a, he didn't know. Right. Well, he couldn't prove that he knew. Right. He says that he didn't know, and she couldn't prove otherwise. And there are some people, and, and these are the people that I don't necessarily have a problem with because I'm like, okay, I can see where you're coming from. It's he didn't know. Maybe he should have known. I don't know. But I, I I've I, the one thing I've heard consistently, and this text really backs it up is that the primary whistleblower here, the person who went to the Daily Northwestern, who turned this into an absolute firestorm on Saturday, that person is not objective. 
That person has quite an axe to grind. And that person, it's the former quarterback. This was this was arguably a plan on his part to bring down Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah, I'll, I'll. This is a alleged, allegedly. This is a text message from um, a current par- a parent. I will. I'm going to paraphrase and leave some stuff out so we're not exposing anything. But I'll paraphrase. Uh, this kid has serious issues. I know him well and his parents well too. Allegedly was suspended twice from the team allegedly got high on the plane going to the Citrus Bowl in 2020. Well, let me be clear here. The the, the text here doesn't say the words allegedly. I'm saying so the we're, words allegedly. We're reading from a text. This person claims that this former quarterback was suspended from the team twice, that he had to sit with the coaches when he's traveling, they had to monitor him, that he had an ax to grind, that there was a a tape even where he articulated his plan to bring down Pat Fitzgerald. Um, According to this anonymous parent, um, he'd been having some issues of his own to the point where his parents were pretty concerned. Um, He's described as a vindictive kid who doesn't see the, chaos that he's creating all around his plan to get back at a coach he doesn't like uh furthermore um on 11 19 so last year 11 19 a walk-on quarterback quarterback get got his first start at quarterback and he was chosen over this player right okay one week later the next week the walk-on quarterback got the start again and then another freshman got the got playing time above, and even a wide receiver got to play in front and quarterback in front of this kid. And then eleven thirty was when the first complaint came through. He was in the portal, the whole deal. But here here was some things. I got some questions I'd like to discuss this week because I, I've had a lot of talk with coaches over the last couple of days about this. It's been okay. since he got fired. It's been in the coaching world. It's been and and I've had the time to really think about it and and then hear from some opinions from coaches. Okay, so for the people, I know I, we went full scorched earth on Monday. I'll not do that today. But he was after us after an investigation that started in January. And by the way, this is a quarterback. His <clears throat> name is Carl Richardson. Carl Richardson. Yeah. And that was exposed in a letter uh, from one of the people to the um, that was released. Okay, so after the investigation, the president, AD, and Pat Fitzgerald met on Friday. And after everything that was found in a six-month-long investigation, uh, that I don't know, I don't know how they called it a six-month-long investigation when we're sitting in July and it started in January. I guess it was six months to the day. I don't know. Um, decided to suspend him for two weeks, and without having any other further contact or anything with him, then forty-eight hours later on Monday they decided to fire the guy. Okay. No evidence was found that Fitzgerald or the staff knew about the hazing um, of the kids. So this is the first thing I want to talk about, Neil, and I want to talk about it with you, okay? Because okay. I, I really I've thought about this a lot. All right. So the immediate first reaction for the people who want him fired is, well, it's his program. He, it's he's in charge of knowing everything that goes on with his program. We've heard that thousands of times, right? Right. Okay, Neil. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Are you a good husband? I try to be. Are you a good father? I certainly try to be. Do you provide for your family? 
Uh, so far. Okay. But would you consider yourself, as far as the husband and father area, well doing a good job? Yeah. I would too. Okay. You have three kids. Is that correct? That is correct. You have two in college and one in high school. Or one out of college, one in college, and one in high school. That is correct. Okay. Do you have a good relationship with your children? Do I need an attorney? Uh, no. Oh, um, um, yeah, I have a great relationship with all I, of them. I would kids. consider that you have a great relationship, knowing yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that any one of your children, as well as you know them, mm-hmm. do you think any one of your children has ever done anything that you don't know about? Yes. My point, right? All three of them. Okay, so now Absolutely. you now you got a guy that has 150 kids. And this is with someone who we, we have I mean, very open, honest conversations about right. drinking and all of those things. Yes, but absolutely. So, have they done things that I don't know about? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, so do you see my see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Okay, so as a coach, everybody assumes it's the easy thing to say is, oh, the coach should know about it. The coach should know about it. Well, he has a and, and stated in many players' letters that aren't getting out there as much that he had an open-door policy. Okay. By all regards, I've met the guy one time in passing. I don't really know him, know him, okay? Sure. I have yet to find every time that I've talked with anyone that knows this guy, says he's one of the greatest human beings on the planet. One of the best players, coaches to ever live. All right? Also, probably why he has a job for 17 years, right? So, I got a couple of questions. With that being said. Okay. All right? With all the technology we have today, the guy's been the head coach for 17 years. Why are we just now hearing about this? Yeah, that's this is this. I told you this on Monday. This is my problem: is that in a scenario where all of the accusations that are out there are true, okay, for the sake of this narrative, they're all true. Everything happened all the time the way that it's described. It is difficult for me to believe, as a guy that there were, there were, call it 100 guys a year, 17 years. That's 1,700 guys. That at no point did one of those 1,700 guys, and I know that's not a precise number, but for rounding purposes, did one of them go, man, this is just a bridge too far. I, I'm not doing this. And in fact, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not doing this. You know guys well enough. Guys go, I'm not doing this naked stuff. I'm not doing this. I don't mean this as a pejorative. Okay. So you, you, what the you, hell you, is that word? YouTube, hang on. I'm not doing this gay stuff, right? Okay. They're guys that. This are episode not, is brought to you by the Biden administration. They're just guys that, that are that way. And there are guys that are not that way. But there are guys that are that way. That are, I'm not, that's, that's a bridge too far. I'm not doing it. Nope, 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 nope. To my knowledge, that's never happened at Northwestern where someone left and said, Hey, here's why I left. That place is crazy. Let me tell you what they do there. And coaches talk, right? Like coaches yep. would have heard well, in recruiting and, or well, some and, way. And here's the, here was the, one of the things that I thought about. Coaches are so, especially assistant coaches. I mean, you guys, man, when you're assistant coaches, you're just wearing a polo. Mercenaries. I mean, you, you leave t- TCU to go to Tennessee and you just trade the purple for the orange. I mean, whatever. You, you, then a year later, you're at Utah. Two years later, you're at Florida. You're all over the place. Your coach picks up. You would have, some coach that was at Northwestern would have seen that. And that's the other thing. Is a part of me that thinks, 
equipment people, coaches. This is the kind of stuff that would have gotten out. Someone would have said, hey, man, that place is psycho. There's weird. That that place is weird. 100%. And that didn't happen. And that's, to me, one of the big red flags that, yeah, I'm sure there's something, but it's exaggerated. I want to tell you a red flag that came up for me that, it, and I'm going to be honest with you, it took me a minute to before I was like, it hit me square in the head. Why? Let me ask you a question. If you were forced to do all that, Neil, why are we going after Pat Fitzgerald and not going after the actual people who did the act? If this is a sexual assault issue, why are we going hell bent and going the whistleblower? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whistleblower is not going after the individuals that did the sexual assault hazing. Right. They're going after the head coach that doesn't know anything about it. Now, why is that? What's an agenda? It's an agenda. Of course. Right? Of course. But why are we going after, like, even the media? Why is everybody going after Pat's Fitzgerald and not one person, to my knowledge, if they are out there, please send them to me because I haven't seen them. But how many tweets have you seen going after the actual people that did the alleged hazing sexual assault stuff. I mean, I haven't read everything, but I haven't seen that. I haven't seen one person say anything about that. So the person, now why is, how much sense does that make? That's absolutely one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. It's one of my problems with Northwestern, frankly, is if you're Northwestern and you believe this strongly enough to fire Pat Fitzgerald, then you have to build, you have to believe that essentially crimes were occurred in your in your locker room, right? And you want those criminals prosecuted, but not one person is even talking about that. We're going after, by all accounts, one of the greatest human beings on the planet. That says, and if you did a six month investigation. I don't know how if maybe you got to do a ten month long investigation to find proof. But when you do a six month long investigation, I imagine they digged into it just a little bit, right? They wanted to know if he knew about it. How I mean. And if he addresses and does things and takes care of his team, how is how is he – and you're affecting this guy's life. He's 48 years old. He's not much older than I am, okay? He was playing when I was playing. This guy's done. He's done. You've affected his life forever. Oh, yeah. Okay? Yeah. And then – so what changed between Friday and Monday? And I hope I'm wrong here, okay? But I'm a logical human being, and I hope that I'm wrong. Okay. I think I know. I think but it's, between I think it, Friday I think it, and I Monday, think I think it's twofold. But I, I think I know the one main thing. Go ahead. After they went to the Big Ten championship game a few years ago, he mm-hmm. got a ten-year contract. Right. He's going. In, I think year three of that, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's correct. He's owed forty-two million dollars. Is what's left on that contract. Yes. And they've gone four and twenty in the last two years. I think that definitely played a role. Other With, people say it did not, but. I think it did. So, in my, I hope I'm wrong, but in the current state of what we're trying to do to coaches out there, part of this tells me that, hey, what, you know what? Hey, look, I know we suspended. We got a way to get out of this thing with calls and go, and our new $800 million uh, facility we're building, we can bring in a new coach with it, the whole deal. Like, that's, I hope I'm wrong. I think that's part of it. I, I actually, hope I'm wrong. I actually don't think that's the biggest part of it. All right, what you got? I mean, I'm going to make people mad here, but that's okay. It's part of my job. We do a good job. Northwestern is one of those schools that is incredibly politically correct. 
put it that way. Okay. And when all of this stuff comes out and the accusations get made and the president talks to the alleged victim and he hears these stories and he's getting this backlash from a lot of left-wing journalists, including some who went to Northwestern. Northwestern has one of the most highly acclaimed journalism schools in the country. You know, I was Monday years old when I knew that. It's the Medill School of Journalism. It's big time in terms of producing journalists who get big-time jobs at big-time publications and impact my field. He got that. He was getting beat up, and we talked about Greg Sankey earlier. He folded. That's what I believe. I think he did the easiest thing to make the, 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 the criticism go away from the people that he deals with on a daily basis, and I would guess at Northwestern that he deals with a lot more people of that ilk than he does with Pat Fitzgerald on a daily basis. And it was just easy to make it go away, and so he did. And I want to say this, too. Talking about journalists, I I would like to recognize, okay, because we pick on people all the time, Tim Brando and Danny Cannell have been doing the right thing. And that is... Unlike, and they're standing up for the guy. And I'm not talking about standing up for for what he's, you know, what he's done, but just not making a judgment right. and putting somebody on, 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 you know, you can't just, I don't understand what happened in this country when you've become, and by all accounts, you are guilty until proven innocent, until and let, the other way around. But that's in the world of. Well, it depends on who you are. But that's, that's everybody is mm, all these. Depends scandals, on who you are. I, I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're living that right now. I'm with you. I mean, we're living in a, we're living in crazy time. I mean, I, I keep trying to tell people this. We're living in crazy time. And it, it bleeds into sports. It's one of the reasons that when people push back and go, well, you shouldn't ever talk about politics. Like, politics is part of everything that we do it in, is our, now, in our sadly. world. And it, it, it always has been, but it certainly is now. It's probably for the last seven, eight years. Yeah, I was about to say five, six, but seven, eight. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, you can, you, you can, you can go back that far, and and so it, it's definitely a part of, of of the fabric of everything, part every part of our society these days, including sports. And Pat Fitzgerald makes an easy target, and for Pat Fitzgerald, well, they 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 Northwestern bungled it from the beginning. They did the old school Friday afternoon news dump that was dumb. Uh, it that raises suspicion. They should have done it on a Monday morning and let it get the light of day, put sunshine on it, release the report, release the report. People are going to ask for it. It was the biggest mistake that Ross Bjork and Hugh Freeze made back in 2016, 15, 16, 15, 16, whenever it was the first letter. And they called people like me and kind of told us what was in it. Turns out they kind of didn't quite tell us. No, no, no. They should have. because That letter wasn't very bad. They should have taken that letter, and they should have gone, hey, we're printing out copies of this thing right now. You want to come over and get them? Come get them. we got to retract a few names because we got to protect that, but come get them. Come get it. Write about it. They Talk. had to retract names out of it? Yeah, sometimes you do. That's what they, but that's what they should have done. Was that in it? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> there wasn't much in it. <laughs> there wasn't much in it. And so I'm what, joking, what, what, Mom. What Northwestern should have done was release the report. Release the whole report. And then hold a press conference and talk about it and and say he's not fired because we believe, and so the investigator believes that he didn't know. He's suspended because, you know, it's reasonable to say, well, maybe you should have known. 
And so, and that would have been the end of it. Two weeks unpaid, go out and go, hey, you know, for future reference, coach and other coaches around the country, hey, if you don't, you, you need to make every effort possible to know what's happening in all aspects of your program. That's what that's the yeah. message that would have been sent. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly responsible. Every coach that we've ever talked to, Kane Womack, uh, uh, John Summerall, uh, the, the others that we've talked to would, would agree, hey, you know what? I should make every effort possible to know everything that's going on in my program. That doesn't mean I'll know everything, but I need to make every effort possible. And that would have been a concession that, hey, maybe, maybe I, I took my eye off the ball for a minute and I didn't know everything. I'm going to work harder at it. I'll take my suspension. It'll be unpaid. Donate that money to charity or whatnot and move on. But they didn't. They bungled it. And when they bungled it the way that they did, it set him up. And then here comes the backlash. And he folded to the backlash because that's what's so easy to do now. Yeah, I just, I, going back, I, I think it's just, it's very, it's easy for people to say, oh, well, he should have known it was in his program. And I think we've proven that, that it's very difficult. People don't like just think about it. You know what I mean? Just, just think about it. And, and by the way, Edwards is, is, Edward Grimes is right. He says, I'm not blaming Trump, but it feels like everything got way tenser and spiked when he announced. There's no question about it. Oh. There's no question. And then when he won, you have to remember, I'm, this is not a political statement. This is a fact. When he won, he defeated a candidate who was twofold, Hillary Clinton. One, she was incredibly unpopular. But two, among kind of the Democrat elite class, it was viewed as a fate accompli that she was going it was destiny for her to shatter the glass ceiling and become the first female president of the united states literally on the night of of the election in 2016 they had at the party they had had a glass ceiling and they were going to symbolically shatter the glass ceiling it was one of those things and when she lost to this kind of populist candidate who came out of nowhere who i'm convinced didn't really didn't really intend to win. I don't think Donald Trump ran intending to win. And then he wins. And he wins with mean tweets and all the stuff, and people went nuts. And look at where we've gone since then. I'm not blaming Trump necessarily, but I, I don't think it's difficult to go back and say, hey, wh- what is the nexus of all this? And to go back to that point and go, that's where it was. You know what probably is? Is they tried so hard. Just think about how hard and the shit he's done to get canceled. He just can't. <laughs> he's like Teflon. You got any bills you want to pay for? <laughs> yeah, we get we'll move on. We'll uh, move on. Brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel. 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits and achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. Also brought to you by Athletic Greens. I drink AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune system support. And I just don't like taking pills. I drink AG1 every morning. I love knowing I'm doing something good for my body, giving my body the nutrition it craves and covering my nutritional bases. Covering my nutritional bases for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing each morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality sourced ingredients. It's a win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free 
one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw. Check it out. All right. Um, I want to. I want to. We another thing we touched on because Kirby had to come out in the media and he did his did his song and dance uh, with the media the other day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is my uh, Miss Reb Law, I think was her name. She had a problem with what I was saying. Um, and I was trying, I, I did not, I went back and listened to the show afterwards, and I definitely did not articulate what I was trying to say. Um, my point, I, I was pissed in about 45-minute mark, so I was it was double trouble. Yeah. Uh, I got pissed off about the Pat Fitzgerald and went double trouble. But here was what I'm trying to say, and I should have made it, should have made this clearer, is we are now in this mode because it's a slow, in my opinion, it's a slow news cycle. And so we're targeting coaches for their off-the-field issues in their program or targeting a coach in this particular play, in this, in this particular deal with off-the-field, quote-unquote, culture issues. We all know that Kirby does not – there's nothing that he does that says, hey, guys, hey, look, can you play football? Yeah, coach, I'm a really good football player, but I like drag racing down the streets. That's not in a conversation. He doesn't promote that. Does that make sense? Sure. Like he's not promoting that or any kind of environment. And that's what culture is, is you're promoting an environment to create an identity. He's not doing that. Right. And my point is this, and this is what I wanted to make crystal clear. I had a coach come see me, the same coach. I had a coach come by the office yesterday. The same one that wanted me to bring up the, the about the health. We were discussing this. I think, honestly, this would be a great study. Okay. okay. So if you're a journalist out there, how about let's do this study. On the same breath that we go attack this guy, let's see how many FBS football teams that you can find that have not had a single player arrested or in court because of excessive speeding had a court date since the end of their season last year to today. Do you oh. know what that number is going to be? It's either going to be zero or super close it's to be zero. zero. Right. Okay. I have I coached for 20 years. Not a single year went by. Not one year went by where somebody did not get arrested. Not one year, Neil. Not one year. Now, did it go? What's it, that day like in the building when a player gets arrested? I mean, you get numb to it. Yeah. I know this. All right, so – I decided I'm going to tell – I'm not going to definitely leave names out, but okay. I'm going to tell you a couple of things that have happened All right. that never saw the light of day. Okay. I was coaching at a place where we had an all-conference safety okay. that lived on campus. All right. All right. We're like week seven. 
middle of the season, six, seven. Okay. Have I told you the story before? No. Okay. I'm just trying, like, to, guess. I'm trying to You guess don't know where this is going. Okay. We're like week six or seven. It's a Thursday after practice, after practice on Thursday. Well, where you know you're you're in, in the season that end of practice on Thursday where you're wrapping things up at special teams, we're getting fresh, we're ready to like break, let's eat, get ready to go play the game. Well, the police start showing up at practice. I think I know what you're talking about. Go and ahead. we was like going the nicest kid you've ever met in your life. I'm talking about super nice. I'd, I'd let the guy date my, my daughters if I had daughters. Okay. Super nice. All conference safety. Well, my man got arrested because he had people from back home mailing him large quantities of marijuana through the campus mail because he was on campus. So he was going to the campus mail and picking up these big packages. Yeah. And I'm talking about large, like pounds okay. of marijuana that he was shipping from back home. They were shipping and he was selling. Yeah. Never saw a lot of day. Right in the middle of the season now. All how, conference. How, how'd y'all cover that one up? Just, you don't talk about, that's my point. Is right, right, right. That's going to happen. Um, were charges filed? Yeah, I went to jail, man. I mean, gone. See ya. Okay. He just disappeared. Violation of team rules. All right. I've also been a part of us. I've, I've been a part of one where we had a DB and a wide receiver that I was coaching. Nice kid. Okay. They decided in the summertime they got bored, I guess. I don't know. They went to go rob a drug dealer. They thought that was a great idea. The local drug dealer in town, they went to go rob him, and they got shot. Oh. That, one one got kicked off, one didn't. That didn't make the... Nope. <laughs> nope. Wow. that's. There was a day when, on the beat, I always went and checked the police reports. I, I've stopped because it's just whatever. But, yeah, I mean, look, I know stuff's happened at Ole Miss because I've heard about it that never got out. The particular coach that was in my office yeah. that came by to see me was was joking about the Georgia thing. I just went. To, I had to go to court with my player last year, last week for driving forty five miles an hour over speed limit. It happens everywhere. Yeah. I mean, just so many. I mean, I can. There's just stories and stories and stories. Um, we've had. I've I've had, I've coached on a team that a player had kilos kilos of the cocasina under his under his uh, bed and was distributing. Had a, I, See, his mistake was he should have done it at the White House. They, they wouldn't have caught him. They wouldn't have caught <laughs> they him. They had the right camera. I yeah, mean, so explain that. How did he get caught I mean, in a dorm, but the White House were good? Yeah, you, you, what you need <laughs> to do the situation room. Go to the West Wing and just get near the situation room, and, man, you're good. Do all the coke you want. Kilos. Yeah, you're good. Kilos. Uh, we can just go on and on. I mean, just stupid stuff, man. Like, we had uh, this really nice kid was living – Living, he was not guilty, but he was living with roommates that had pounds and pounds of marijuana and uh, dope in the walls of the like behind the drywall. Uh huh. I mean, who among us? Yeah, it got raided by the DEA and the feds. That took a while, but like, what my point is this: is it goes on everywhere. I can I can't even begin to tell you about bar fights, DUIs. To drugs, to whatever, man. I mean, it happens. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of Georgia, this is out today. Uh, 
former Georgia staffer sues the school, sues uh, Jalen Carter, Victoria Bowles, who survived the fatal car wreck that killed a University of Georgia football player and recruiting staffer on January 15th. This is a reading from my friend Mark Schlebaugh. Has filed a lawsuit against the UGA Athletic Association and Philadelphia Eagles rookie Jalen Carter, whom police accused of racing the SUV being driven by a recruiting staffer when it wrecked. The lawsuit, which was filed in state court in Gwinnett County on Wednesday by Bowles, a former recruiting analyst for the university, accuses the UGA Athletic Association of negligence and contradicts public statements by Bulldogs football coach Kirby Smart and other officials who have claimed that recruiting staffer Chandler LaCroix shouldn't have been driving the least SUV when it left the road and struck trees and utility poles. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, that's, that's, we knew that was coming. Yeah. Once there's, once there's a lawsuit, people are going to write about it. Um, all right, let's, let's dive into SEC yep. East teams. We did this with the West. We did on a little bit of a schedule today because frankly, something going on in, in, in my world. Um, we'll start with Georgia. All Georgia's right. biggest game of the year. The, 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 the game that you think is the one to watch with, uh, with the Bulldogs. Mine's very easy. Yeah, I think this is the easiest one. It's Tennessee because I think that's the only team on their schedule that can beat them straight up. They play at Tennessee on November the 18th. It's a week after they play Ole Miss. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't I don't see a loss on their schedule. Uh, they, I mean, I don't I don't either, but I'm just saying yeah. that's the closest I think yeah. of anybody that can beat them because of style of play and then all that, but gave them the biggest fits last year, but I don't see it happening, but that's that's the only game I see. That they got a pretty um a pretty easy road, I think. All right, we'll go to Florida now, the University, the Gators, the, the Gators. Ga- the Gators open with uh McNeese. Yep. They play uh Tennessee at home. They uh get Charlotte at home, then they go to Kentucky, they get Vanderbilt at home. Uh, at South Carolina, they play Georgia and Jacksonville, they play Arkansas in Gainesville. They uh, go to LSU, to Missouri, and then uh, finish up at home against Florida State. I think uh, we're going back to back here. I, I think the game against uh, against Tennessee is their biggest is their biggest hurdle. Um, they have to start. You know, I like their chances against Utah. We'll talk about this later, but you can't. You got to get that first if they can because they got Charlotte McNeese before them, Charlotte after. If they can find a way to be four and zero or three and one going into that that beef of the SEC schedule, they're going to be they're going to put together some things. I really like. Uh, I think Tennessee's the biggest game. They got them at home, first SEC game. If they have some momentum going into it. I, I like. I like. Uh, I think that's. You just can't lose the game. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that's a big game to create momentum moving forward. The one to me that I circle is at Kentucky on September the thirtieth. Yeah. I look at it and go, you know disagree. what? That's going to tell me a whole lot about that team because. I don't think they're beating Tennessee. I don't know about Utah. I haven't looked into Utah enough to, to have a, a real opinion there. I don't think they're beating Tennessee. And then, uh, look, if they lose at Kentucky, all of a sudden they got some games where you're like, hey, I, I mean, anything could happen. Like I, I, They'll probably beat Vanderbilt. They didn't beat Vanderbilt last year. I don't think they're, I don't think they're beating South Carolina. They're not beating Georgia. They got to turn around a week later and get Arkansas. I, I'm not convinced that, that they – are a prohibitive favorite against Arkansas at home. I don't think they're winning in Baton Rouge. I think they could easily lose in Como, and I think Florida State could smoke them. I mean, I, I, this is potentially a really bad year for Florida. It's one of those, and it's potentially a good year. But it's they're one of those teams, like, I'm already working on storylines for media days, and one of them is kind of like, we, in a, in, a, in a 
five, six years ago, we'd look at this and go, it's just year two. He's fine. He's fine. They're going to be patient. He's building a program. He's recruiting really well. He's building a base. Everything's going to be okay. And that's probably the case. But no longer, given the what we look at now, no longer am I willing to look at that and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll give him more time. I mean, you you know well. I've heard. You, I mean, <laughs> you know, you were part of a program at Ole Miss where you all believed that y'all were close to turning the corner, that you just needed a little more time. And most people well, – When eight of your players are freshmen, that kind of is the tendency. And most most people inside the program believed that, hey, next year's important, but we're, we're, we're going to get more time. And you turned out not to get time. No. And so I'm not – in a scenario where it goes off the rails, I think Billy Napier gets more time. I would be absolutely mortifiedly shocked. But you know what I'm saying here. I, I would be too, except it's one of those things where in July – you go through that and you go, L, 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 oh, that'll be okay. And in the moment, though, with the emotion and stuff, things go nutty. The thing about it, too, and I'm going to knock on wood here, because this current climate we live in, there's no telling what you can you can dig up these days. We talked about Florida being impatient with coaches in the past. Those coaches that they were impatient with kind of like set them you know stayed they they set themselves up a little very vocal right very in front of things very talkative billy's just you don't even hear from billy he's just he's yeah. doing what he's supposed to do i think that buys you time i do too all right let's go to tennessee mine's easy on this one tennessee has a uh oh i just looked at your answer um tennessee has a schedule that opens with virginia they get austin p they go to florida we talked about that game utsa interesting game uh at uh at tennessee South Carolina at Tennessee, Texas A&M at Tennessee. So a, a run of home games. And then Tennessee hits the road. They go to Alabama October 21st. They go to Kentucky a week later. They get UConn at home. They go to Missouri, home against Georgia, and uh, finish up at home against Vanderbilt November the 25th. I'm going with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. Let's see that. And here's why. I promise you, per sources, that game is circled in Tuscaloosa. Sure it is. It's going to be personal, and it's in Tuscaloosa. If they can find a way to win it, do it twice in a row, he's already th- – by the way, if you're a Tennessee fan, I, I think you hit gold. Yeah, I do too. Okay. He's really good. I think he's going to be great. Really good. Um, And I like the freshman quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Kid's going to be a, a stud. Tennessee is Nico, Nico I am a leader. Yes. They have struck gold with Josh Heupel and that staff. Have struck gold. But going to Alabama, if they can do it two years in a row, you may get there a little quicker than you than you uh than you think. Uh I totally buy your answer. Uh I, I'm gonna go a week earlier though. I think the, the key game that I would watch for is is Texas A and M at home. Yeah. I thought uh, about that one. They get they get I think they're gonna be one, two, three, four, five and oh when A and M comes to town. And if they win it, yeah, sure. Take some the Alabama games. No, no, it's going to be huge, right? Everyone's going to be talking about it. But if you beat A and M and you lose to Alabama, when you go to when you play Georgia at home on November the eighteenth, I think it's likely that you're playing for a shot at the SEC uh, championship game. You it, because you know you beat Georgia, each have one loss, you get the tiebreaker, you go. So I, I think as long as they're undefeated when they play Alabama, it's still a free shot. If you have a loss, though, Alabama's an elimination game. Yeah. You don't want to play Alabama, a motivated Alabama in they an elimination to the, game. they got to get to Georgia with one SEC loss. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, we'll shift to uh, South Carolina. Wait till you pull this schedule the, up. Uh, the Gamecocks, I am unprepared. While you're, while you're pulling this schedule up, mm-hmm. I was looking at this today. And look, I'm a huge South I'm a big, big, big Shane, Shane Beamer fan. Okay. I love everything they're doing at South Carolina. Everything. I like what they're doing in NIL. I like what they're doing in recruiting. I Schedule's like what they're doing in play. This is one of the hardest schedules that you can possibly come up with. All right, so they get North Carolina to open the season. I think that game's in Charlotte. And that's a team that's everybody's talking about being the top of the ACC, too. Yeah. You got probably arguably either number one or number two quarterback in the country. Uh, Furman at home, uh, at Georgia, Mississippi State at home, at Tennessee, Florida at home, at Missouri, at Texas A&M, Jacksonville State at home, Vanderbilt at home, Kentucky at home, Clemson at home. So they the whole month of November is at home. Uh, so think about this. Like Ole Miss, is everybody's talking about how tough Ole Miss's schedule is, right? Yeah. Well, their two non-conference games, their big two non-conference games, are against Tulane and Georgia Tech. Imagine swapping that and replacing it with North Carolina and Clemson. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's good gosh. All right. So what's the pivotal game for them? For me, it's North Carolina out the gate. I think they got to set a tone um, because they got Furman. They'll win week two, right? But they got they have to if they to get to where they could have a really good team. They could be better than what they've ever been in a long time and have a seven and five or eight and four team. I mean, they could be legitly really good. With a seven and five or eight and four, I'm talking about legit good because of the teams they play. You got Clemson, you got Georgia, you got Tennessee. I mean, those just those three games alone. You got North Carolina, who people are talking about being contending for the ACC. I mean, you got four legit. I mean, if you just looked at it on paper, that's four opponents that should be top ten, top twelve caliber teams, right? Yeah, um, I think your answer is the right one, but I'll for different sake. The three that stick out to me on their schedule, that you if you're going to have a really good year, you have to win them. they got to beat Mississippi State at home. Uh, they have to beat Florida at home. And they got to win in Columbia, Missouri. Yes. Got to win those games. If you win those games, even if you get, even if you lose to Tennessee in Knoxville, even if you lose to Georgia and Athens, and I think they will, you got a chance to finish strong because you finish at home. You got to go to A&M. It's tough. But you could get to 9-3. and three. And they did beat Clemson last year. They did. Beat them soundly, in fact. All right, uh, we go from South Carolina to uh, Kentucky. I'm always accused of being a Kentucky fan. I am. Big Blue Nation. I'm not doing anything today. All right, Kentucky opens. I had a cousin went to Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky opens with Ball State at home. They get Eastern Kentucky after that. Then Akron. They hit the road to go to Vanderbilt September 23rd. Come home to face Florida a week later. Head to Georgia October the 7th. Get Missouri at home. Open date. Then they finish with Tennessee at home, at Mississippi State, Alabama at home, at South Carolina, at Louisville. That's a tough finish for the Wildcats. A lot of, lot of Louisville love. Um, I think it's against Florida. I think that's their mm. biggest game. I think they can start – if they can get Florida, um, they can start out really hot. Five Was it 5-0 or 6-0? They can start off – one, two, three, if they get Florida. four, five. If they get Florida, they'd be five and zero oh when they go to Georgia. Yeah, so I think that would be for me the Florida game if they can get that one, and that puts them at five and zero. Oh, I think going into the Georgia game, it's a hell of a start. Uh, the one for me, uh, you're, you're going to laugh at me. I think. What you I got? think to avoid a 
a a real run on 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 bad luck that could kill them at the end. I think the key game for them is in Starkville on November the fourth. I think they've got to find a way to beat Mississippi State because that it's after Tennessee, before Alabama. Then you go to uh, South Carolina, and then you go to Louisville. Look, that thing could go off the rails. You could be playing good. So if you lose to Mississippi State, you could conceivably lose five in a row to finish the season. That would not be not be pleasant. No. All right, let's go uh, to our boys, my guy, the most handsome coach. This is easy. In the SEC. <laughs> it's the easiest answer of all time. Uh, best hair in the SEC. It is Clark Lee and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, they open with Hawaii at home August the 26th. It's a week zero game. Uh, Alabama A&M week after that. Then at Wake Forest, September the 9th. Uh, at UNLV, September the 16th. Kentucky at home, September the 23rd. Missouri at home, September the 30th. Uh, at Florida. Georgia at home. At Ole Miss. Auburn at home. At South Carolina. And then they finish November the 25th, with the game we talked about earlier, at Tennessee. Mine's real easy. Wake Forest week three. If they can find a way to get 4-0, and just somehow find a way to get two more the rest of the way. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at one of the ones that you have to get to get to uh, one of those two, and it's Missouri September the 30th. Yeah. you got to beat Missouri at home. Yeah. If you beat Missouri at home, you get a shot down the stretch. You know, because you get – we talked about this before. I mean, the Auburn team that you play November the 4th could be kind of done. Might not be, but could be. Uh got to be you could win at florida if florida is not good um you're not beating south carolina probably on the road you're not beating tennessee there after after no no you're not gonna find a lot of dubs on that schedule no so you're you're hunting on yeah, paper yeah it's wake it's it's you got to make sure you beat unlv and when you get an opportunity let's Barry Odom. let's say that they got hawaii alabama a&m wake unlv to get to four no fine two somewhere when kentucky comes in that next week you're hot go for it because after that you get Missouri. I mean, if you could somehow win one of those two games and get to five and one at the turn, Nashville would be turned up. Can you imagine? <laughs> and then, I mean, then frankly, they, they, they'd have like seventeen thousand people in the Yeah, stands. maybe eighteen. <laughs> you would be you would be just hunting for one win in the last six, and and you know, shit, get crazier things. All right, real quick, last thing before we get out of here, because we're gonna get out of here in about five minutes. All right. Who is your surprise team? in the SEC. And what I mean by that is who are you going with in the SEC that everybody's going to say you're crazy for saying that they're going to be better than what people think they are? A team that you think is going to be better than expectations. A surprise. Okay, so I'll talk. I'm preparing you for your next week. All right, so I'll talk you through it a little bit. Okay. Um, but LSU's become a hot pick for yeah, everybody, that, and so that doesn't count. I mean, they, they'd have to win the Super Bowl for them to be better than expectations. I think there's a real chance that Texas A&M is better than people think. I can hear Chase right now. I know. <laughs> um, Chase is going to have a hard time if they're good, isn't he? Yeah, he'll struggle. <laughs> um, God, I almost dread saying this out loud. I think there's a chance Arkansas is significantly better than people are giving them credit for. We just lost all of our viewers. I know. <laughs> and then the schedule's brutal, but I'm I'm pretty high on South Carolina, man. I mean, I, I I think there's a lot there. Like it could go. There's a there's a path for that to go really well. Talk culture. What Beamer's doing there is strong. They've got a good quarterback back for his second year in the league. He finished really well. They they were a good team at the at the Dude, end. They're a, he's he's got them going, man. 
Um, that schedule's murder. The schedule's up. brutal. I mean, if they played a different schedule, I'd, I'd go, oh, South Carolina. But the schedule's just so hard. Um, I mean, Kentucky, I don't like the way their schedule finishes. It, it's not good. Um, okay, here's my answer. The team that's probably not getting the ink that could be a really, really good team is Tennessee. Okay. If you told me Tennessee went 10 and 2, 11 and 1, am I stunned? Nope. Not even a little bit. Now, here's what's interesting is internally at Tennessee, what they're saying is quietly, hey, let's dial this back a little bit this year. But next year, look out. We because we they're building classes, you on get them classes. I think you got to get them this year. That's what and that's the feeling inside their building is my understanding. Is that if you're going to get us, you better get us now because we're going to be hell in the next couple of years. My surprise team, and we're going to finish it up with this. Okay. My surprise team. I've, I I could have easily took the softball question, which I do think they're going to be better. Like if I, they could be 10-2, and 9-3 good, even better, is the Texas A&M Aggies, but that's not my surprise team. Okay. That is better. That's an easy – that's a softball answer. Everybody that – when if this question gets asked across – Every podcast across the Southeastern Conference, mm-hmm. Texas A&M, I imagine, would get a lot of. It's a free. It's a freebie. It's a free square. People okay. are scared of it, but sure. Yeah, but it's a free square because you you have validation behind. I know you. I know. I think I know your answer. I think I can. I guess you can. Your guess is Auburn. No. Okay. No. My guess, the surprise team, the 2023 SEC football season. Oh, I thought you were about to say champions. I was going to be. Wow. Not champions, okay. just surprise. Okay. Is the Florida Gators. Oh, wow. Wow. The I, Florida Gators. You'll get a lot of um you get a lot of mileage off that if you come if it comes true. Look, I'm just telling you, everybody's hating on Billy after one year. Like it's his fault. Like they suck because it's his fault last year. And they didn't suck. They went six and six with a, a decimated roster. He had to change the culture. They're recruiting mm-hmm. on a crazy high level. And no, and everybody, and it's everything's negative. He's not saying a word. No, it's true. Not saying a word. He's it's just true. doing his job. And that's how Billy is, by the way. They're one of the more interesting teams. <clears throat> they got Graham Mertz at quarterback. And I and I've said this, I know I've said this on, on our show before. He was not good at Wisconsin. Graham Mer- Mertz as a true freshman, I was like, holy smokes, this guy can play. Yeah. And then that was the COVID year. Yeah. All right. And then after that, there's been a lot of like, what is going on? He was not good at Wisconsin. And he wasn't. Billy, the kid's talented. He's Billy's not. Billy's a quarterback guy. Yeah. He was a big five star. Everybody loved him. All that stuff. But he was. He's, he was not good at Wisconsin. Good one year. Okay, but but good ba- on balance. Bad two years. On, <laughs> on balance, he was not a good quarterback at Wisconsin. Bad two years. I think Florida is going to be surprisingly really good okay i think they recruit they were they're where they're recruiting because everybody is just it's it's all down 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 they're still florida okay and i know the staff there i know how good of a coach billy is i know what kind of program he runs and he is doing straight up billy right now he isn't saying anything okay that's all i got today boss all right one more who's your surprise team not in the sec i've got an answer all right you go ahead the kansas state wildcats oh that would be a surprise. I think they're going to be really, really, really lost good. a lot. They lost a lot. Got a lot coming in. You talk about culture. Yeah, they're good with culture. No, they are. And they play in a league where just watch out. 
Everybody's doing Texas, Texas, Texas. I'm not sold. I don't think Oklahoma's as good as their lofty aspirations. And then you start checking out the Big 12. TCU lost a lot. UCF's coming in, but the rest of the teams that are coming in aren't so good. Um, Baylor's down. Um, Texas Tech's going to be better. It's kind of there. It's interesting. They play super physical. That that brand of football, when you don't play behemoths and in that league this year, you don't. That brand of football sometimes carries over year to year. Edward brings up a good one here. Duke, yeah, I think Duke will be good. All right, so my surprise out of the SEC, out of the, not in the SEC, will probably I could probably give you five hundred guesses and you wouldn't get it, so I won't even waste your time there. One, I think, I think North Carolina. Between North Carolina, Florida State, and Clemson, you're going to get an ACC champ. But I think North Carolina is going to be legit, obviously, because they got the real deal quarterback. But my surprise team that no one literally is talking about at all okay. that I think is going to be an eight, nine win team. Okay. Maybe, maybe 10. Okay. The Maryland Terrapins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not bad. Yep. I can see that. Quarterback's back. Good player. They got some, they got, they have been recruiting extremely well. Uh, they got great coaches, and they're literally flying on the radar because between Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, there's not enough media left to cover in the Big Ten. That's who's – they're just doing their doing their deal, and they got everybody coming back. Ronnie wants me to talk about the Memphis Tigers. I'm not talking about the Memphis Tigers, even though I love them. By the way, on MPW Digital, in about three hours, uh, hand-raised guys, it's already taped, it's already loaded, it'll roll. It's a Big Ten preview. Matthew Stevens of IlliniGuys.com joins. We talk about the Northwestern thing. We talk about Illinois. We talk about uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska, Maryland. Watch out for Nebraska. Watch out for Nebraska. Not this year necessarily, but down the road. He's a dude, and they have NIL. Yeah, he look, they can say what they want to about that guy. He's a coach. He's a ball coach. Give me one second, okay? Give me one second. All right, we'll uh, we'll wrap there. I've got to take this call. So uh, for uh, Tyler Siski, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of McCready and Siski. Don't forget, we're brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. We'll be back uh, in a week uh, after SEC Media Days. We'll wrap it up. Really start uh, hyping up the upcoming football season and talking all about it. So for Tyler, I'm Neil. Thanks for being part of the show. Take care. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.